If you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to start in Luke chapter 7. If I may, I would like to give you some insight into what a substitute speaker is thinking right at this moment. Ron, uh, Ron mentioned one of, the, uh, one of the classic phrases from uh, my childhood, separate and apart. I thought that was one word. Guide, garden, direct was one word. A ready recollection. The, uh, the prayers used to go, be with the speaker this morning, that he may have a ready recollection of all the things that he's prepared. As a child, I had no idea what a ready recollection was. Now I think I need one. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. We know the story, but I want to paraphrase it for you, and, uh, and we'll start our lesson with a, uh, with a key question that Jesus had for Simon the Pharisee. You know the story. Jesus was invited to Simon's house. We don't know anything about Simon. He was a Pharisee. He invited Jesus to dinner. And Jesus came, and they reclined at the table, which is how they ate their meals at that point. And then something strange happens. A local woman with a reputation, she finds her way into Simon's house. We don't know how that happened. She stood behind Jesus. She cried. She wet her feet, his feet, with her tears She wiped his feet with her hair. She poured perfume on the feet of our Lord. Simon was not pleased with this event, but he thought he kept his thoughts to himself. He thought if this man were a prophet, then he would know what kind of woman this was. Jesus says, Simon, I have something for you. I want to tell you a story. So Jesus told a short little story about two debtors. One owed a little bit and one owed a lot to the banker, but neither could pay. And the banker forgave both debts. And the question that Jesus had for Simon, which one of these will love him more? Simon's response, I suppose, the one that had the larger debt. And Jesus said, you've got that right. We could talk about this passage. We could talk about uh, the Pharisee and his judgmental attitude. We could talk about the woman and her beautiful gift. We could talk about the pain and suffering that brought her to Jesus' feet. We could talk about Jesus and the way that he cut right to it as he asked Simon, which one will love him more? I want to focus on the next question that Jesus had for Simon. Simon, do you see this woman? Simon, do you see this woman? Sometimes it's easy to bash the Pharisees, and maybe Simon deserves to be bashed. Simon looked at the woman as an intruder to his home, 
He certainly had a judgmental attitude toward her. He must have known something about her. Uh, the text says that, that she was a sinful woman. Simon knew that, and he looked at her in judgment. He judged Christ for how he dealt with the woman. But Jesus wanted Simon to see her, to acknowledge her as someone that deserved to be recognized as needing the comfort that Jesus could give her. My question for you and me today is how does that apply to us? Yesterday, I uh, drove to and from Ellsworth, a beautiful fall day. It was not pretty in that part of the state. I'm not sure that state is very pretty. But, uh, but yesterday, it was gray and cold and overcast. But I had time to think about my lesson. And, uh, and I went up there to the correctional facility to meet with uh, one of Northside's brothers, who's incarcerated there. He has a long story, and he's made so many mistakes in his life. He's been incarcerated most of his adult life. I think he first came to Northside six or maybe eight years ago, and many of us have invested in him, and, and he made another mistake about 18 months ago, and he's serving the consequences for his mistake. Someday soon, it's likely that he will return. We don't know what the judge is going to say in January, but my question for you is, how will we see him when he returns? See, when I went up there yesterday, I I didn't have any trouble seeing him because his need for Jesus was obvious. He knows it. I knew it. It's not hard when you make a special trip to see someone to, to see that person. I want, to thought, I want to think about every day, do we see folks that need Jesus? Some of you are in school. A lot of us have jobs. We have kids, and we have grandkids, and we have hobbies, and, and KU basketball is coming up any day now. We have a lot of things on our plate, and Satan uses good things that make up our lives. And we might look up after weeks or months or years, and we think that we haven't had as many opportunities as we used to have to see folks that need Jesus. I think it's a legitimate question that Jesus would ask of us, Doug, Do you see this woman? I want you to visit Celebrate Recovery some Thursday evening. Take your pick. We've got plenty of them. Every week we open our doors and we invite folks to come see Jesus. You will be blessed to see the people that come to see Jesus. They come to us with a variety of backgrounds. They come to us with a variety of stories. Uh, We don't know why. They've, uh, how they've come to know about us. They, they check on the Internet or they see our sign in the front yard. Or maybe somebody at Northside said something to them. But they're coming to this place because they've heard Jesus is here. And in many ways, they resemble the woman in Luke chapter 7. 
in some way, God's Spirit has led them to our doors. And my question for you is, who's going to meet them? Whenever we have a special ministry Sunday, in the spring we do Mission Sunday, in the fall we do um, Know Your Bible Sunday, and this is our first Celebrate Recovery Sunday. Uh, there's, there's challenges, and Steve's mentioned this in, in one or more of his lessons. Uh, last week, uh, last, last time we did Know Your Bible, for some of the folks in the auditorium, Steve has given that lesson and described that ministry for 15, 20 years. And it's a blessing to see God's power through that ministry over the years. In that audience, there were people that didn't even know what KYB stood for. And so that's one of the reasons we have these special Sundays, is to make an introduction to you if you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is. We often describe Celebrate Recovery as a Bible-based 12-step program, and that's a good description. But there are two critical differences between Celebrate Recovery and secular 12-step programs. Celebrate Recovery depends on, we call for, and we acknowledge God's power to help us in our recovery. We acknowledge that we cannot recover on our own. But we do recover through Jesus. And the second difference is that as we're working on our recovery, as we acknowledge God's power in our lives, we share our story with other folks. If you've lost your job in the last two years, four years, five years, however long it's been, and you're still angry about losing that job, you and I need to talk because that's part of my story. If you're having trouble with finances, then you need to talk with somebody on Thursday night that comes from that particular struggle. Most 12-step programs focus on specific addictions, and you may think that CR is primarily for addictions and big sins. Of course, big sin and little sin is one of Satan's tricks to lead us astray. Once you visit CR, you'll find very quickly that each of us has a story, each of us has a journey that we're working on. Maybe we're recovering from anger or rejection, or family problems, or pornography, or addiction to drugs, or whatever the issue may be, there's a hundred things or a thousand things that Satan puts before us. Sometimes we made poor choices, and that's why we're where we are. Sometimes things have been done to us by others, and that's why we're where we are. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, both the sinful woman and the sinful Pharisee, in Luke chapter 7. Some facts and figures about Celebrate Recovery. It's an international ministry. Perhaps as many as 20,000 churches around the world are involved in Celebrate Recovery. More than 2 million people have graduated from step study in the past 20 years. If you do an internet search on Celebrate Recovery in Wichita, Northside is one of six different churches, and we meet, coincidentally, on six nights of the week, 
there's somewhere in Wichita every night of the week that hurting people can find Jesus at Celebrate Recovery. Outside Wichita, the Clearwater Church of Christ has had a, has had a Celebrate Recovery ministry for several years. And the last I heard, uh, Northside currently has the largest Celebrate Recovery ministry in the state of Kansas. God has blessed us in many ways. We meet every Thursday. We meet Thanksgiving night every Thursday. This coming Christmas Day will be Thursday. If you're done with your Christmas presents and your turkey and the football, we'll be here at 7 o'clock Thursday night, Christmas night. The beautiful thing about holidays is the folks that come to celebrate recovery that night really need to see Jesus. Something in their past, something in their present is terribly hurting to them, and we can show them the grace of God and the love of Jesus at our building. This past January, I'm going to back up and catch the one that I forgot. Every, uh, every Thursday at 7 o'clock, we have one hour of worship, and that includes a Bible lesson or a personal testimony that, that you've heard about this morning. From 8 to 9, we break up into gender-specific discussion groups. So the men go to one part of the building, the women go to another part of the building, and those groups are tied to specific topics. And so folks that have addictions will go to one room, and folks that have codependency issues will go to another room because as we share our common stories, we can build each other up. At 9 o'clock, we come back together, and we, and we enjoy some fellowship and support each other again. In January this past year, 2014, we started The Landing, which uh, can be described as Celebrate Recovery for Teens. Uh, we're working hard to get that up off the ground. Uh, that's going to be a terrific blessing to the workers in that ministry and to the teens that, uh, that spend their Thursday nights here. There are many good reasons to, to launch that part of Celebrate Recovery, but two of them stick out to me. The problems that I'm working with today at my advanced age may be, may be this big. And when I was younger, they weren't near that big or not that deeply ingrained. What would happen to the adults and the problems that we have carried with us for years if we had gotten hold of them and given them to God when we were teens? Things would have been much different, I suspect. There are many sins and many difficulties and habits and things that go from generation to generation to generation. One of the things that, that we try to get across to folks is that Jesus can break that chain, the generation of sin. The other reason to launch the landing specifically is that being a teen is hard enough. But they have so many sources of information, the Internet and their friends and their teachers, and everybody's got an answer to what ails them. We offer them another opportunity on Thursdays to show what God has to say about getting through their teen years. I don't know to what extent you think that Northside is, is blessed and, and, and involved with CR, so we're going to do a group participation exercise. Everybody ready? You love this. I know you do. All right? 
Some of you were nodding off, and I said, I've got to get them standing up or something. All right, so here we go. This is voluntary, but I know where you're sitting, so if you, if you don't stand, I'm going to come out there and pull you up. And that's, there's voluntary for you. If you have, uh, if you have been a uh, worker or a mission leader uh, in Celebrate Recovery, if you work on Thursday nights at any point in the last three years, would you stand up, please? Stay, uh, stay standing. All right. Good. Over the past two years, three years, we have done a number of Healing Grace step studies, and there will be information on that out at the table a little bit later. If you have graduated from step study, would you stand up? If you have helped us with child care or cafe time, if you have handed any of us a little bit of cash, if you have donated any bit of time or cookies or anything to celebrate recovery in three years, would you stand up? Take a look around. God has blessed this body of church, this body of his church, with Celebrate Recovery. And you guys are part of that. Uh, you give to us, and, and, uh, and, and the love of Christ comes back to you. Thank you very much. Have a seat. This would be a good time in my notes to thank everybody for anything they've done in the past three years with Celebrate Recovery. There's a note in here that says, especially the folks that help with the kids, because we're wearing those folks out. And we, need, uh, and we need some more good folks. If, you're, if your gift in his kingdom is to help little ones uh, be quiet and abide their time and to, and to listen to the Bible at their level, uh, we could use some help in that regard. But we thank you very much for what you've done in the last three years with Celebrate Recovery. We depend on the support of the body here, and we thank you in advance for the work that you're going to keep doing. If you're following in the outline, I should have said early on that I'm not covering everything on these two pages. Would that, uh, would that be good news at this point? Because I've completed, what, two of them? One of the blessings of serving as an elder at Northside is the fact that God calls us to shepherd a wide variety of, mission, of, of ministries. One of the challenges on Mission Sunday or Know Your Bible Sunday or Celebrate Recovery Sunday is that somebody might get the notion that we have to promote one ministry over another if we're going to get the work done. If Northside were a business and all of our departments had to compete with one another, then we might have a problem. Would you agree with that? In man's world, the pie, representing the resources available to any of us at a given time, the pie is fixed. The pie is very small. If, we, if, if you get more from the pie next year than you got this year, then you had to take it from somebody else. Our God makes the pie bigger. We don't compete with each other. We look for ways to serve our God in this ministry or that ministry. We're not asking for money today. 
another good news. There'll be no special, there's no pledge cards, there's no asking for money. We are asking for some help. On your handout, I've listed four or five things that we could could benefit from. We solicit your prayers. We're looking for child care. I think I mentioned that. If you are actively supporting us once a month, uh, every every adult Bible class once a month, uh, they pass around a sign-up sheet and and they support us with with fruit and vegetables and cookies and crackers and and those little juice bags. Okay, that's important. That's important because at nine o'clock every Thursday, after we've shared the, the highs and lows of our week. Then we come back to the, to the fellowship hall and we get some grapes and we get some juice and we get some cookies and we have fellowship time. So every piece of the puzzle is important to us. I want to be clear on this one point. The work of God at Northside is not limited by the realities of man's world. The work of God is not limited by man. If you're currently working in a ministry at Northside, please keep doing that. If you're not as engaged as you would like to be, more importantly, if you're not as engaged as God wants you to be, we have a place for you. We have a place for you on Thursday night. We have a place for you in Safari to the Sun. We have a place for you in the Women Walking with God conference. I have a general solicitation for you this this morning. It's a call to arms. It's a call to action to, to glorify God with your work. We believe the words of Isaiah concerning the effectiveness of God's word and his power to achieve his purpose in this life. Listen to Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. As the rain and snow come down from the heavens and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word will not come back empty. CR has been successful in our first three years, and we have plans for the next three. But every big picture is made up of several little pictures. Jeff and Raymond, would you come on up? This morning, we're focused on the power of God and his grace in the world of individual men and women. I've asked Jeff and Raymond to to come up and just share briefly what CR means to them. Raymond, or Jeff, you're up. Morning. Um. My family and I moved uh, back to Wichita from Dallas about a year ago, and uh, we got settled down and ready to see what we were going to do here at Northside, and uh, I got into a a Bible study with some uh, old friends of mine here, 
And uh, it was a great study, and we challenged each other. But one of the most important parts of the study was that we asked ourselves real questions relating to our personal walk with Jesus Christ. And we tried to see what we were missing. Um, Two big questions that kept coming up for me personally were, number one, do I, and if I don't, how do I, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And the second one was, how do I begin to seek the lost and tell them the story of Jesus? And we talked about that quite often. Um, At family camp this year, Doug Wagner asked the men of the congregation, uh, all of the men, uh, to volunteer and help with a step study and celebrate recovery. So without really knowing what a step study was, I decided that I was going to do it. Um, And I was very surprised to find that the answers to my questions were found in the experience of Celebrate Recovery. Um, What I learned personally in Celebrate Recovery was the difference between striving to follow the rules because I am trying to earn something and following those same rules because of the grace that lives inside of me. Um, I also learned that I don't need a method or a certain set of skills in order to reach the lost, but that the daily experience of God's grace inside of me is enough to want to share that with other people. In short, For me, CR is grace in action. And we've created a funnel here at Northside for the lost. And all we have to do is walk across the hall to access that. My hope is that I can eventually share the experience of Celebrate Recovery with everyone in this congregation, whether directly or indirectly. Thank you. Uh, unlike Jeff, I've been here. I'm Raymond Williams. Most of you know me. I've been here a lot of years in Northside, and if you know me, you know that God's not done working on me. But uh, for me, Celebrate Recovery has been more of a discovery. Celebrate Discovery, because I've discovered a lot of things about myself that I had wrong. I mean, most of my life as a Christian and as a man, I've been trying to prove how strong and how tough I am. And how I can handle all these things. And being a firefighter, you know, that's big on our list. Being rescuers and being the strong person that doesn't fold under pressure. But as far as my effectiveness for Christ, none of that has worked out for me so well. So Celebrate Recovery has helped me to understand that it's my weakness. The things I struggle with is what people want to see about Christ. That's what I need to share. I don't need to share how tough I am or how I've been a Christian for 30 years. It's what I've struggled with and what I've had to go through and maintain to be a Christian. And not to be ashamed of some of my struggles. Because believe it or not, men, we need to talk about our problems. Before Celebrate Recovery, I thought real men don't talk about what's going on. We don't talk about how we feel. We talk about what we think and what we know. 
But the healing is talking about what we feel and what hurts us. And you have to swallow a lot of pride to be able to do that. Celebrate Recovery does that. I mean, you're, you're in a situation that makes you feel safe, that whatever you say is not going to be spread over Facebook or anywhere else. That what you say is going to be looked at and respected, and you're going to get encouragement, and you're going to get help. And you're going to see Christ work, because Christ works in our weakness. He knows who we are. He knows what we can take. He knows our temptations, but he wants to bring our weakness, because that's what we can share. And since Celebrate Recovery, I've shocked my wife several times by little simple things I didn't used to do, like admit that I'm wrong and admit how much I need her and how much I appreciate her. Because, you know, men, we don't do that a lot. We think because we, you know, bring the money home and take care of the house and take care of the cars that we're doing our job. But Celebrate Recovery has helped me heal some of my relationships. It has strengthened my relationship with my children and other members at this church that I've known forever but didn't understand their struggle and never bothered to ask them what their struggle and vice versa. I've never been able to openly share what some of my issues are. Some of you that know me real, real close know that my issues. And I'm not ashamed to admit them now. At Celebrate Recovery, we introduce ourselves to people to come. We introduce ourselves. I would say I'm Ray. I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. And he's helping me with my struggle with depression, anger, and resentment. A lot of people probably don't know that about me, that I struggle with depression. And I used to be ashamed of that because I grew up thinking, you know, a man's got to pull himself up by his own bootstraps and be a man, not let anything get him down. So it took several doctors and a couple of counselors and Elaine to convince me that I struggle with depression, which I'm not ashamed to talk about now. And I've met a lot of people at CR, and I get up and introduce myself, and then I have a circle around me after telling me, wow, that takes a lot of courage because I suffer with that too. And I've never been able to talk about it. So, guys, if you're looking for a place to get some healing and not have to be ashamed about it and to be able to swallow some of your pride, CR is the place. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Let's take a look at... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll bring this home. I asked Adam to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 because Paul came to a realization and he, and he wrote it down for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 11, he's defending himself against, uh, he's defending himself and his ministry against the false prophets. Chapter 12 begins with a, with a description of a miraculous vision that God brought to Paul, uh, for Paul's eyes only. And, and Paul was a terrific, amazing Christian. And you know what? Paul was still a man. And Paul was very self-aware. That, uh, that he needed to, to avoid the temptation of being conceited. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. 
to keep me from being conceited, I have this problem. Now, Paul didn't like it. Paul asked God three times to take it away. You ever wondered why? Maybe Paul, maybe Paul got tired of it. Maybe Paul just wanted some relief. Maybe Paul just wanted what? I submit to you this morning my, my personal notion that Paul could not accept that God was allowing Satan to restrict his ministry. Paul was convinced that the harder that Paul worked, the more glory that God would get. And so he asked God three times to take this away. God, take this away so that I can do for you what I need to be doing. You see God's response? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God told the Apostle Paul, Paul, it's not all about you. The irony is that Paul was sincerely trying to display, to demonstrate, to convict the world of God's power. And God wanted Paul to understand that the best way to get that done was to acknowledge the weakness, the torment that Paul had in his life. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I've made reference to Ephesians chapter 4 and Luke chapter 10, and I'll leave those for you. We don't have time for them this morning. But I've asked Brent Groves to come offer a prayer for this ministry. And then we'll offer the invitation. Father in heaven, what power and wisdom and love you have shown us, Father. You have, you have the power to save us and change us. We see your work in us, Father, because we all still need that, because we still sin. We see your work in those who seek you. Father, we see your love by how you care for us and you keep your promises. And we see your love when we feel unlovable, when no one else would love us. And Father, we acknowledge your wisdom, which surpasses our understanding. Father, there's no greater blessing than to be able to say, I am a child of the king. And yet, just like a child, sometimes we are so slow to get it. To realize the power of your love and the power of your spirit. Father, because of your son, we have learned the most amazing kind of love. You grant us forgiveness and we rejoice knowing that we are free. You give us grace and we shout hallelujah because there is nothing that can separate us. From your love. But then, Father, I know there are so many in the world and, and, and many in this room who do not know of this freedom.
we do see them and we see the friend struggling to keep a job, a man looking for a way to have enough money to support a bad habit, a woman trying to save her marriage but unable to know where the solution is. They struggle with the burden of sin, looking for help but not knowing where to turn, and they search for happiness, but they don't find it. And then, Father, we realize that you gave us the answer. It has been in front of us all along. You gave us the Beatitudes, and we, we call it a step study. You taught us grace, and we learned to call it healing grace. You told us to confess our sins to one another, and we will be healed, and we call it simply sharing when we give ourselves to you and make you Lord and King, we truly do then celebrate our own recovery. Thank you, Father. Thank you for showing us how to be your children. Thank you for a very special group of people here that serve by sharing with others what God has done for them. Father, we thank you for every servant leader who walks through the door on Thursday evening and makes Celebrate Recovery possible. Father, I ask you that you give those servants your love, your wisdom, and your power to work for your glory. And Father, thank you for every soul that comes through the door on Thursday evening, searching for something more powerful than themselves. Father, may they see your good works. May they see your amazing love. To you be the glory forever and ever, Father. In Jesus we pray. Amen. As Daryl mentioned in his prayer this morning, we celebrate salvation in Christ. But if you haven't taken that salvation, if you've not obeyed Christ's law, if you've not answered his invitation, you don't, have that you don't have that salvation to celebrate. We offer an invitation this morning. If we can help in any way, please come as we stand and sing.